When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, people? Welcome to Three Points in the Gaff, Manchester's football podcast, straight from the heart of the city. Welcome. It's me, Pundit JMA, with Mike's and Jay Motty in the Gaff. You know what I mean? United and City fans. But listen, it's November, people, and things are hotting up in the football world. You know what I mean? So, DJ, lower the temperature in here, please. I beg you, because Motty's shaking a leg and getting a sweat on, and we don't really want to see it. So, listen, they've got some serious stuff to talk about. Do you know what I mean? We're here to discuss and dissect everything, people. You know what it is? It's the first Monday of the month, first Monday of November. And listen, man, oh my Lord, the Premier League's coming to a close before the World Cup kicks in. So we're going to get through it all. But listen, before we get into it, I need to I need to speak on our sponsors, one of our great sponsors, Falcona Private Jets. So listen, people, Falcona Private Jets is a charter broker company based at Manchester Airport. Falcona specialises in private jet charter flights around Europe, whether it's for business or pleasure. Falcona Private Jets will source a modern aircraft from their professional marketplace to suit your travel arrangements and needs. For a quote, you can visit their website at www.falconaprivatejets.com or call 0161-436-0124. So make sure you get onto them, people. Go to the website and check them out. Falcona Private Jets. Yes. Moi, what jet have you been flying on recently, son? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I need to get one of them full corner jets and get out of here after the results. We were talking before we started recording, man. We United have been in a great bit of form. I think the last league loss we had was the last time we did this podcast. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Hey, timing's all off, isn't it? It's, it's terrible, man. And it's, you know, it's the same old, same old. It wouldn't be as bad if United had, had lost this weekend and so would City. Because then we could all yeah. just sort of, you know, revel in each other's misery. But no, no such luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. It is what it is, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It's 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 one of them. But um, I'm alright in thinking that Mike's going to be double happy this this week. Because didn't Harvey Barnes get a goal this weekend as well? 
Yeah. More than happy. I'm just waiting for us to get talking about what happened uh, in the game. I think we're stalling it out. If, if, uh, if not, we, can we, are we all right to get on with it? Or what? <laughs> we're going to get to that, right? Listen, don't you worry. We're going to get to the games and that. First of all, we, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going down in sort of latest football news and stuff. Um, now, there's the big news, sort of, this ties in with United, obviously, is, is in this sort of thing with Eric Tenag and Cristiano Ronaldo about whether Eric Tenag is handling him right. We know Ronaldo spat his dummy out at the Spurs game, didn't want to come on for a little cameo, wasn't feeling it, left the ground early, got dropped for the Chelsea squad, got disciplined, and Eric Tenag was quite public about that. Ronaldo did his little Instagram statement, sort of a non-apology apology, where he just sort of said, these things happen sometimes in the heat of the moment, you don't do the right thing or whatever, but then stopped short of saying sorry. Against um, almost, almost, you know what? I'd almost wiped the game out of my memory then. I couldn't remember who we played today. Um, <laughs> against Villa, that's how bad it is. Against Villa, you know, in a true sort of show of, of the fact that they've all made up, Ronaldo was, was the skipper. And it's just a question, really, has, he, has Eric Ten Hag handled this right? Because you know Cristiano Ronaldo, massive personality. He's laid down a my career with him. He's tried to sort of reconcile as well. We've seen this in the past with big players, big personalities, and a manager stamping his authority. A good example of that has been uh, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal with Aubameyang, his top scorer, his captain. When it, it came to it and it was time for him to, to go, he let him go because he wasn't towing the line. So, yeah, just interesting to hear what you, you guys make of it all. I'll start with you, Pundit. Pundit, what have you made of the way that Eric Tenax handled the Cristiano Ronaldo situation? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, you know what? Yeah, I think he's handled it very well. I feel like he had to he had to stamp his foot down in it because you can't have a player walking off the tunnel when you're telling him to come on. Whether it's for one minute, two minutes, 80 minutes, what you don't matter, in it? Like, you're there to do a job. You play for the team and the club. So I feel like Eric Tanag has took it all under because it's easy for a manager, you know, to let this type of situation get out of control. So I thought he dealt with it. The statement come out quickly. He was out the squad against Chelsea and, and then obviously they've had a chat that must have sorted things out and he's back in. Do you know what I mean? My first, obviously after that, I thought, do you know what? This is a big moment for Tanag, you know, because everybody's watching the fans, the club, the board, the rest of the players, do you know what I mean? And, and I felt like it, come, it came out of it very, very well in it. I didn't feel like any of his power had lessened from it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's important. And from Ronaldo's point of view, I just feel he was, he was being a bit... I think he was being a bit of a donut, bro. I'll be honest with you. Like, yeah. you can't just because you're Ronaldo when you've got the status. And people respect him for that, for who he is. But when it comes to the team and the spirit and and, and, and doing the job on the pitch, you know what I mean? I don't. I just don't feel it was right in it. And Obviously, he got, he got his punishment and obviously he's back in the frame and to be honest, he's not been doing much since he come back. He might as well have stayed in the tunnel, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Do you get me? You so tweeted that, yeah, I've saw that before. Yeah, man, he's come back in and obviously he was captain versus Villa and all that and it's just, I don't know, I still feel like a little bit like United are trying to pacify him a little bit yeah. and I won't be surprised, you know, because United, obviously United are a bit of a commercial club and I won't be surprised if the board or some members of the upper stairs have said to Tenor, listen, yeah, you need to get him back up board. Because commercially, for Manchester United, he's massive for them. Do you know what I mean? And we can't get away from that fat boy. You know what I mean? Now, we, we, we haven't really got, you know, an out-and-out commercial star like Ronaldo. Decisions shouldn't be based on that. But, you know, when you had Pogba, he was a bit of a commercial player, wasn't he? Like, in terms mm. of marketing and that. And now you look at other, our, our other sort of better players or players that, that are popular like, you know, Bruno or Rashford or Martinez or whatever, they're not really that commercially viable the way that Ronaldo is. He's different, different gravy. Yeah. What have you made it all from the outside looking in, Mike? Because obviously you've not got a dog in the fight. You'll have watched it. You'll have seen what went on after the Spurs game. You'll have seen what's been going on 
with the Chelsea game and, and the, the Villa game, the way it's all been handled, as someone who's, you know, not emotionally invested in this at all, what have you made of it all? I'll be honest with you. I've not got an absolute clue what your gaff is up to, to be honest with you. It, what do you mean? It's, 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 so, before this whole, before the, the walkout thing, yeah, before he got off at half-time, he was pretty much sat on the bench, four games, not getting on. He, he was To me, he was sending a message that this guy isn't really part of what I'm planning. Last four games, he's played the full 90 minutes. What, <laughs> what's going on? Is he, mm. That, to me, is a, a proper conflicting message. And now I believe if Ronaldo is back on the bench for the next three days and not get a game, he's going to be fuming, in it? He's being treated... He, he, I don't know. I just feel the treatment's up and down. It's not consistent. One minute you're out of it, you're not in. You're not in it. You're just going to be a bit part. I'll, I'll, I'll use you when I feel like using you. And then it turns to, right? He's on there. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like you said, it's hold on. Been said, but ain't, 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 ain't that ain't that up to a manager to be able to do that though? Like he doesn't start at the start of the season. Say right, you're going to play 15 games. The manager can choose, isn't it? He's got a 23 man squad. If he feels like not using Ronaldo for four games and then feels like using him for five, why is that wrong? I never, I, I never said it's wrong. I, I just feel like. The message that what, what I'm seeing and how he was using that player before he walked off and said, Listen, you're not treating me like that. And since he's come back and apologized, the treatment seems to be completely different. And I don't know if Ronaldo's got a boost of energy and training in the games that you've seen him play. Uh, <laughs> is he doing all right? Are you, is, is he worried in these starts and he's full 90 minutes? I think, I think, no, to be fair, I think, no, I mean, Pundit touched on it. I don't think we've seen a lot from Ronaldo at all. And, and at times, I've, I've been a little bit, I find it a little bit cringe the way it's gone on. I feel like, you know, when you take your kid out for a kick around in a park or whatever and you're trying to get him to get a goal, I feel like mm. it's that sometimes, like everyone's willing, trying to get Ronaldo a goal and trying to give Ronaldo the ball all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, bro, that's really, doing my nothing. Honestly, it's so obvious, isn't it, at times, like, especially in the, um, in the European games, that was. Do you not think it's cringe? What the, the, the way that we're games compared to the previous four games before? Do you not think it's just been a complete swing of? Well, I think there's there's mitigating circumstances. I hear what you're saying, but I think um, if you look at sort of what happened there, he came in after 28 minutes or whatever it was for the Everton game because Martial went off injured, so he played 60 minutes. Then he starts against Newcastle and got subbed, and then Marcus, who came on against Newcastle, who looked lively for those 20 minutes, started against the. For, against Spurs, and that's where you had the issue, because according to what we've heard, Ronaldo was asked to come on later on and didn't want to. But I didn't think that was weird because I felt like Ronaldo um, Rashford starting Rashford for the Spurs game made sense to me, and then he was obviously suspended, not suspended, but he was dropped from the Chelsea game because he um, because of what he did. And then whilst that happened, we lost Anthony, we lost Sancho, and at one point we didn't have Rashford either, so we had three players across the front, and Martial was still out. So we had four players across the front who were missing. So then you think if Ronaldo can't get in the team with four players out, he's never going to get in the team. So I think there's there's mitigating circumstances. I get it has gone a bit one extreme to the other, but I think there's reasons behind it other than just placating and, and, Ronaldo. Yeah, and you know what as well? Yeah, we've got to remember, Ronaldo didn't really have a pre-season. So no. he's going to take a bit of time anyway to catch up to the rest of him to a, to a certain extent. And maybe he's, he's, at, he's at fitness levels now, isn't it? Where Tanar can think, you know what? Now I can play your type of thing. But to be honest with you, I think if Martial was fit, properly fit, 
I don't think Ronaldo would be playing as, as many games as he's playing now. Do you know what I mean? But no. it should have come to a head the way it comes to a head anyway. And do you know what? There's a lot of United fans out there who think that Ronaldo loves United. Like, I don't think Ronaldo's dream was always to play for Real Madrid. Let's not forget that, innit? Like, he left United yeah. in his peak years. He gave his he gave his all his peak years and all his best years to Real Madrid. He left at 23 and came back to United at 30, 30 what, 36 or something. So yeah. let's let, let's let's understand what's really going on in it. Like obviously he's a United legend in terms of what he's done for the club and people respect him and all that. But I don't, he's more of a Madrista boy than he is Red Till I Die boy. Do you know what I mean? Let's just get that straight. You know what I mean? Is what it is. No, I I, um, I agree with that. I don't. I think what happens, you get this narrative that gets, and I get it because it's a big story. One of the biggest players in the world going back to one of the biggest clubs in the world where he won three titles and a Champions League and a Ballon d'Or and. You know, it, it made a great story and it sells a lot of newspapers. I understand that. But it, like you say, you know, he spent the brunt of his career at Madrid. He wanted to go to Madrid. So it's a bit of a, you know, it's like the kind of thing that happened with Pogba. You remember when Pogba came back to United? And it was all this, oh, he's returned to his boiled club and all that. I thought he couldn't wait to leave United to go to Juve. He left for nothing. <laughs> like, he was never, he was, if, if I'm playing for Manchester United, you know, I've been, I am a United fan. I'll be made up and I wouldn't want to leave. He left as soon as he, he, as he could. I think the, the bit, obviously, you're quite right, Pundi. United was a stepping stone for Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, this totally guy. Totally <laughs> hey. Do you not think yeah. part of the frustration is the team isn't that great? I think it kind of compounds the fact sat on a bench for a team. If the team was top of the league and smashing it every week, I think, I think he'd yeah, be yeah, yeah, my He's in that team and he's not doing the best as well. Nah, do you know what I'm gonna say is why did he decide to why did he decide to sign then? No one put a gun to his head and said sign his contract to play for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He made that decision. Yeah, and, and he came back and in that year uh, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think you'll find he ended up top goal scorer, warranted his place in the side really throughout the season. And as a United had the even, worst season ever. But do, 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 know, do you know what though, right? he's gonna try and get his back? To a point where he's right. challenging, deluded. Really, you're quite right. I, I don't. I just don't understand, right? Why people just think because Ronaldo doesn't drink, drink beer and because he trains and looks after himself that he's going to go on forever. He's 37 now. Like, how many strikers do you know genuinely at 37 that are still doing it? Like top top strikers. Like there's one or two. Like Zlatan and you know, mind. I'm running out of running out of names already. 37. Is is almost bro, unheard of for a striker. Bro, I think are uh, you right? And I think he I think he's going through a bit of mental denial, to be honest with you. Obviously, he's yeah. had a tough time early on in the year losing his childhood and all that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Rest in peace and that. Do you know what I mean? That's a that, that's a tough thing for him to undertake. Then he then he missed tra- in preseason and all that. Then he's realized that actually the manager probably prefers somebody who's not done really much for Man United in the last few years. Martial, let's yeah. not forget Martial was at Seville 12 months ago. <laughs> 11 months yeah. ago, do you know what I mean? And, and, now, doing, and now he's doing, back up. doing nothing, by the way, there. Doing nothing. Some, some La Liga expert, and I said, uh, you know, she, she, um, Samra Hunter, who does the La Liga TV, spoke to her and she said that he was, his move to Sevilla was a disaster. She right. said it was like, right. So, so he's, he's, dealing, he's dealing with a lot of strain and he can't do what he used to be able to do. And when you look at him, he just looks thin. He looks like an old man. I'm seeing average defenders like Tyrone Mings wrap him up. And I'm like, nah, come on, Ronnie, man. And, oh, and you know what? I respect oh. Ronnie. Ronnie's my favourite United player of all time. But at the yeah. same time, United have got to cut their losses. It's probably best for Ronnie, innit, to go somewhere better where he can play each week, be the main guy and do what he needs to do, innit? Do you know what I mean? I, I just want to ask one more question before we move on on this subject. Did, what did you make of him giving him the armband as a, as a sort of... 
As a Do you know what I looked at it as? I looked yeah. at it and I thought, you know what? Maguire's club captain. He's now fourth choice centre-back, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame for him. And then Bruno was suspended. Yeah. Yeah, he's vice-captain. And I thought, hmm. I don't know if Ten Hag's giving him this to say, listen, yeah, I can't really give it to anybody else. Like, the only person he could probably give it to out there is probably De Gea, innit? And he's probably looked at him for, you know what? I'm not going to disrespect him any anymore. But I don't, I don't, don't know if he really wants him to be captain. If you know what I mean, do you, do you get yeah. what I'm coming from? But he's Ronaldo's there. Just Martial's probably not fit properly yet. So do you know what, Ronnie? Go ahead. You be the captain in it. You're the main guy. I just don't like it, bro. It made no sense. I can't. It just that 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 in mm. itself no sense. As you said, it could have gone to the gear. But what I would say about because I I think me and you have had this on a previous. Because I think the gear could have should have got your armband over Maguire. But one thing I can't say is I don't know the dressing room dynamics, and that will play into a lot of player can come in and mm. rise to the top of you know popularity within the dressing room and stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. Gear seems to always get overlooked for that, and he's probably one of your most players in the dressing room at the moment that that, that kind of remembers what it's like to win. <laughs> there's only to be fair I know he's he's having his little usual thing but he's right he's, there's only De Gea who was left from the, the and Phil Jones left from the 2013 title winning side obviously yeah. Ronaldo's come back in but he plays the, every week I yeah. think that's my point he plays every yeah. week and, and, yeah, and yeah. to be fair he, West Ham a few weeks ago where he's, he's pulled out a couple of worldies in stoppage time He's still performing. I think he, I think he unfairly gets overlooked. But I've got to say, I don't understand the dressing dynamics. He may not be that. He may not be built for it to get. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Mike. Sometimes it is the character in it that like you need the guy who can lead. It. You might just be a. You might be one of the sheep in it. And when you give him the captain, you need someone who's going to be the shepherd in it. And maybe yeah. the is not that guy. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? Um. Listen, there's, it can, we can talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Eric and all the rest of it for, for hours, but let's move on. Talk about something else. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I mentioned him earlier as one of the few players who seems to you know keep going into his 40s. But he had a bit of a, a shot at Pep this week. He, um, he was talking about, obviously, Erling Haaland and what he's doing at City and Pep Guardiola, and he knows Pep Guardiola, he managed him. One of the few players that, didn't, that got managed by Pep that didn't seem to get on with him. And he sort of spoke about it and he said, is Guardiola, talking about Haaland, able to improve him? That depends on the ego that Guardiola has. If he allows himself to be bigger than Haaland or not, he didn't allow me or the others to be as big. So he's sort of like intimating there that, um, you know, uh, Guardiola might have a bit of an ego and all that sort of stuff. And Guardiola himself sort of replied and he, he made a joke of this. Um, uh. saying that he doesn't want Haaland to score as many goals, which I thought was, you know, joking about, obviously, um, in a press conference, which I thought was a pretty, you know, good way to handle it, to sort of shrug it off and, and make a joke of it, because, um, you know, obviously, Pep Guardiola wants Erling Haaland to win as many football matches as he can. What did you make of it, Mike? I'll start with you, because obviously it's your club. What did you make of it when you were Zlatan had sort of weighed in with this, this opinion on Pep and, and how he's going to handle Haaland and the ego thing? So, for me, Zlatan's always had a big gob. I remember I remember when he signed for you lot and he was gonna be the guy that got you back. That didn't go too well either. So he talks a lot this guy and I think he just needs to shut up. But what I would say, what I would say though is I think Pep has got an ego, but and I think Pep demands full control of a dressing room, but actually that way of managing a dressing room needs him to be one of the most successful managers that's ever lived. And I, I don't think 
Xavi, Iniesta or Messi did too bad in his dressing room. I don't think um, Kate, Ke- Kevin De Bruyne is doing too bad in his dressing room. These players have all excelled under him and at no point I've ever thought Pep's holding any of those guys back. So, I'd, like I said in it, Zatlan's fell out with a few managers, to be fair. Um, like I say, he goes over and he thinks he's the business and stuff. So, he, 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 yeah, I think he's just, he likes to talk a lot and he, 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 he fancies himself in any scenario. He thinks he's the best at everything and that's just just that. And then I think Pep handled it quite right. But one thing, like I said, one thing I would say is I do think Pep has got an ego and I think for what he's done in the game, I'd be surprised if he didn't have one. Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite rare for, for any ex-player of, of Pep Guardiola or current player, but certainly not a current player, but a player that has played under him, to, to be negative towards him or criticise him. One of the exceptions was Samuel Eto'o a few years ago. He, he had, I remember seeing an interview with him where he said that Guardiola wouldn't speak to me or wouldn't say things in front of me. He used to get past messages on and, and get Xavi, I think he said, to, to pass the messages on because he didn't respect me or something along those lines. There was also was the... Was there a bit of an issue with Yaya Torre as well, yeah. I think? I mean, we're yeah. talking three players in, what, 20 years of management or 50 So, I, I, I think the number's probably bigger than that. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if you guys have played football at any level. I think managers act different to certain players in a dressing room. And I think certain players take it a lot more personal than others. Um, and I just think in certain scenarios, certain players... I've taken out Pep Hanselm very, very personally, especially if you're walking in a dressing room and you see the manager hugging and, and basically embracing other players like they're his own sons. And, and like mm. I said, to communicate with you, he, he passes a message to someone else. He, he, he doesn't fancy as a as a person. Yeah, but Mike, Mike, let me ask you this then, yeah, because obviously Zlatan was talking about Haaland, innit? So you've said there now, yeah, that you, you, you agree that Pep should have an ego and probably has got an ego so Zlatan's saying, yeah, that if Haaland gets big, if Haaland, for Haaland to be a true success or whatever, it's going to depend on whether um, Pep lets his ego get in the way. So are you saying to me now that if Pep's got this ego and Haaland is doing a madness like he's doing now, do you feel, would you be okay with Pep's ego getting in the way of that? Do you think that's I, going to be a problem or not? I think, I think it's a non-event. Because like I say, mm. Pep's managed much, much, much better players than Zlatan. Let's just have it right. Here is managed much better players than that, and he makes a call based on the team in it. So mm. Pep's not there; he's there to make sure he gets the best from Haaland, but actually, he's to make sure he's to get the best from the team. Hence, mm. why for me, one of the greatest players of all time was surplus to requirements at Barcelona and Ronaldinho. You know, so he's one of them in it. He doesn't if if he doesn't feel it's right for the team. I think Pep will just move on. I don't think I don't think he cares how good they are, and I'm all right with that. So. If Haaland's doing what he's meant to be doing for the team, and he's yeah, I'm sure Pep will be ha- happier than the next man. So I don't think it's going to be an issue. And he, yeah, yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. I think Pep, like you said, more Pep's response. I hear that still. He he kind of he kind of just owned owned what Zlatan was saying in it and just moved it on kind of nicely and swiftly and made a joke out of it. And Zlatan, I don't know, man. This, the, the beef between them two's been going on for a hot minute now. It's been going on for a few years. You know it, what I mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to look now because I always get a bit sort of confused as to, to when he was there at Barcelona because he went to Barcelona in 2009, 2010. Um, mm. And this was meant to be like the big, obviously the, the marquee signing at Barcelona. Um, and it, it, it didn't really work out for him, did it? Because if you look at what happened, the exchange, I mentioned Samuel Eto'o, the exchange didn't, it was like an exchange where Samuel Eto'o went to Inter 
and Zlatan went to Barca and then Inter yeah. did the did the treble, I think, that, that year. It was that the year they did the treble. And um yeah. and and Zlatan did okay, but didn't really hit the dizzy heights that I think a lot of people expected him to. I think let me just double check my figures because I don't want to, my memory's shocking. Yeah, 21 goals in 45 games in all competitions. So it's not terrible. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. for, for that Barcelona team, for a striker like Zlatan, do you know what I mean? That isn't that impressive, is it, really? That's not why you don't expect him to get, you know, 16 goals in the league and 21 in all comps. I think you were expecting a little bit more than that and probably to, to win a, a, a Champions League especially going off the back of obviously what happened in 2009, which as a United fan, I know only too well. So yeah, it didn't quite happen for him. And maybe there's a little bit of an element of there where he's just bitter that it didn't happen for him and the way him and Pep, well, the fact that him and Pep didn't get on. So it's something he's obviously carried with him. We know it was that one of those. He'll just speak his mind no matter what. Yeah, do you know what? It's just a battle of egos, isn't it? Pep's yeah. got an his ego and Zlatan's got probably got a bigger ego. Do you know what I mean? So it is what it is. There's always probably going to be a clash. And it's a similar thing like we were talking about before with Ronnie and um, Ten Hag, isn't it? Like someone wants to be the alpha male in some sort of way, innit? And if they feel like they're getting looked over or shone, uh, shone, shone, uh, the shines elsewhere and stuff like that, they're going to feel a certain way. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, listen, you know, we've seen at United with, with I'll never forget, with Ruud van Nistelrooy and, and, you know, and, so Alex, I couldn't believe it when Van Nistelrooy left and, you know, so Alex just thought he couldn't work with him anymore or whatever and off he went. So it happens all the time in football and like you were saying, Max, earlier, if you've been a manager around for a long time and you've had big personalities and big egos, there's going to be one or two that you've had a class with. And I just think, you know, I don't take any joy in saying this, but I think Pep handled it really well. I thought that press conference was spot on. It just made it a non-issue, didn't it? It made it a bit of a joke and that's how it looked. Um, listen, should we get to it anyway? We've, we've postponed it enough We'll start with you lot over down uh, down in the east east side of Manchester. Um, <laughs> another sort of VAR assisted late late stuffy win was it for you lot? Eh? Scraping, hey, scraping your way to another title. It's <laughs> called. I think you'll find it's called what the stuff champions are made of. Uh, boy. Um, it's a distant memory for me. That's all. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting one that game actually with the, the, the Fulham game. Obviously, we've, we've, we've been on a bit of a run now, um, but we came into that and I, I, straight away. I, I rarely think this because I'm still I, I am one of those um, pessimistic City fans. Think never think the best, but um, that was a banker for me before pre-match. We were, I mean, mm. the game started comfortable possession, won the look. Alvarez was dying for him to get on a score sheet. Because the press, are, the press are always looking for something to poke a hole in, and then all of a sudden now they're looking at our subs bench. Yeah, well that subs not scored, you know. Jeez, I'm <laughs> not happy with what Alan's doing. To start looking around, so I was desperate for him to score, and uh, apparently he's only one goal behind the fabulous Gabriel Jesus this season for for goals. So it, it is interesting how people can get perceived and stuff. But yeah, he got on a score sheet, and then boom, that penalty decision. Which it was a penalty that they got. Uh, I, I, I've got. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that, Mike. I thought you were going to come in here and start lying. No, no, it, it was a penalty. But I'm just a bit. I'm just a bit confused over that. I thought the last man rule went, so I was just a bit unsure why he got sent. I thought if it's a penalty now, it becomes a yellow card. But apparently not. Apparently you have to make a challenge for the ball. Like, I don't know, but apparently he sent mm. him off, and I thought, is this going to be a? Is this going to be it here? Are we going to, are we going to drop out points at home to Fulham and stuff? And then the game's gone on. But as it started going on, I just they just Fulham just didn't become... They just didn't threaten. 
So then my confidence gone, and as soon as obviously um, Haaland and Foden came off the bench, that combination there, it just lifted the place, to be honest with you. The place just lifted. We knew we were bringing top quality off the bench. And then he, we scored one that got disallowed. And even that, I was thinking, yeah, it's not our day. And then some kid behind me was like, yeah, they'll get this. Absolutely no problem. I looked back at him and thought, you've not been coming long, have you? But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but he was right, though. And like you say, last minute penalty. He's, he's obviously took his ankles out. Um, hey, yeah, yeah, you started lying. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, guys, hey, took his ankles out. Hey, come on, that could have could could killed him. Hey, should have got licked for assault. <laughs> GBH, hey, listen, hey, listen, he caught his ankle and all that. Yeah, feel now, come on, be honest though, De Bruno, he did exaggerate the dive a little bit though, still. But you gotta listen, I'm not even against all that, me, you know, because when a ball goes out for a corner, everyone's everyone's putting their hands in the air saying it's our ball ref, so. When a man's exaggerating a little movement in the box after he's getting touched, I'm not, I, I'm not hating on that, man. People do what they need to do to get penalties, in it? And win them and that. But first, hey, Mike, was your vexed because it was an ex-Liverpool Academy product, Wilson, getting the pen and an ex-United Academy product, Pereira, tucking it away, yeah. I didn't even, to be fair, I didn't even know it was Wilson until until after the game, to be fair. Um, and, 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 no, not really, obviously... Pereira's moved on now and he's he's doing better things for himself. So you sure, can I knew, you know what I can see this coming, like I knew what he was Hey, listen, he's trying to give he's trying to give value to Pereira now and he's shocking. Hey. He's dead. He's, he's always been to, dead. He's moved, he's moved on to better things now, he's at Fulham. Hey. Well, hey, listen, I'll tell you what though, <laughs> that Harry Wilson first first touch though was clashing. When you go back and watch the goal, watch his first touch, cuts it across Cancelo. Cancelo doesn't really have a choice. He, he, he obviously he doesn't have to touch him, but he does touch him, but listen. Wilson made it difficult for him. But I, I, listen, I was watching that game as well, you know, Mike. And I was watching, I was thinking, I don't know, Fulham, man. They got to the final third. And I'm, what? They just, that, when that, what's that kid called? Like, come on, Muamba or something. He ain't got a clue in, bro. He was, he was, he got the ball. Daniel James, come on, I thought, nah, this is a wrap. Because they're going on, they're attacking and I'm thinking, Brad, you know what? If they get it right, they're going to do something. But I watched, I think, two attacks and it just all flopped out. And I thought, nah. And then I seen Harlan come on. And I thought, and he scored that goal at the one that got moved offside. And I thought, yeah, City have got this. Look at, look at, look at the difference, all right. And there's nothing wrong with this. This isn't me being better, but you've got to be like honest about Fulham's chances here. City yeah. bring on Ruben Diaz, probably the best defender in on in the Premier League last season. Erling Haaland, an absolute goal scoring machine, and Phil Foden, mm. one of the best young players, you know, in 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 European football, and then. Fulham bring on a kid whose name you couldn't even remember, Mbappé. <laughs> Dan James, who got <laughs> bombed out of Leeds. Tom Carey yeah. and Luke Harris. And, and obviously, they were missing Mitrovic as well, which is he's such a big player for them. So the fact they yeah. actually made a game out of it, I know they didn't exactly, you know, once they got the goal, it wasn't like they were bombing forward and trying to get another whatever. But I think you've got to give Fulham a little bit of credit because, yes, City were at the races, whatever, but, but Fulham, mm. to even make a game of it and take it to the 94th minute or whatever, with the resources they've got and the plays they've got, I think that's a bit of an achievement, to be honest with you. I'm not trying I'll to tell you now. I think it is. I'll tell you yeah. now, if, that, if that was Brighton, we went then 10 down, so I'm seeing Brighton would have got three points. Do you reckon? Mm. Yeah. I feel I, I, I went to the Brighton game before that and they impressed me Yeah, immensely. They they are a good side, them so nah, yeah, No yeah, shame yeah. in you guys getting tucked to the cleaners from them at the start of the year. And everything, everything's <laughs> a little dig in it. Everything's yeah. a little... No, no, you know what I mean? like, all roads <laughs> lead to a dig. Do you know what I mean? It'll be bringing up Brentford in a minute. No. Hey, yeah. Brentford are a good team as well. No shame in you lot getting done 4-0 by them. 
<laughs> hey, I tell you what. Hey, Mike, though, I tell you what was it in flipping Aguero Remembrance Day or something? Because Aguero, Alvarez's first goal, do you know something? There's something about goals that go in off the bar, you know. I don't know what it is. When a ball strikes the bar, and go, I love it, you know. Hit the, hits the bar, hits the back of the net, the water's splashing off the bar and everything. I just love them type of goals. Reminded me of Aguero. And then Haaland's win, a shirt off, running running in front of the North Stand and all that, shirt above his head and all that. I thought, right, what's all this, what's all this like? Reminiscing of Aguero and all that, do you know what I mean? I don't know what it felt, felt like in there in, in, in the stadium, but it just seemed like I don't know. Like, as soon as that goal went in, it was like, like you said, an explosion of emotion and type of thing. Is that how it felt in there? Yeah, yeah, it did. It was a bit of a weird one, you know, because you know, you you, you go to games, Motty, and that, and you know, Fulham, they always bring a minibus load, they don't bring they don't travel in big numbers, do they? No. But they got a bit lippy after the goal got disallowed. They got a bit, it was weird, it was, it was weird, it actually got a bit tasty up there. So I think yeah. it was a bit of these little, you know what? And so when that goal went in, it was an explosion of all kinds of emotion. Um, to, to obviously to win the game in the in in, in the, like the ninety fourth minute or wherever it was, and I think it, it just went through. I think, especially going down to ten men as well, and we, I think it was a feeling that we're going to drop points here. We could do with not because there's a bit of let's just get back on top and, and, and get a bit of a march going on here. And obviously, if you drop points at Holmes and Fulham, it's not a game in the calendar that you're looking at and thinking that maybe won. So even at the end, it was good to see, like, the players done like a half lap of the pitch and stuff because uh. emotion was there. And I, I appreciated that. Pep made sure, because you could see everyone had stayed, quite a few had stayed and he thought, right, let's go round and show them that we appreciate this. It was good. The atmosphere, everyone's come bouncing out. They've done a bit of, they've done up the, uh, the south stand as well and the lower tier as well. It, um, it's like a bit of a nightclub in there. They've put little lights in there. A DJ's playing. It's done it up quite nice. So the atmosphere was just bouncing and quite a bit, quite quite a bit of energy. So it was good. It was good to see. What are you pulling that face for, G? What you a nightclub any for? Flipping out and he's got the dance floor gonna, and all I'm that. I'm gonna have to stop going to football now. I yeah. can't be going raving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the atmospheric DJ playing music. It was just good. It was just the energy. It was just, it was just good. In fact, we've got City Square and all that. To be fair, we've been ahead of you lot in that um, fan engagement stuff for a while. Anyway. <laughs> you can have that one if it's nightclubs and all that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we haven't gone down that road yet. It's not a nightclub. Well, well the, 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 the reference I was making is they've just done it up nice. So when you're in there, it's a bit more. It's, the, the, you know, know what? I've, you've got the Premier pub and all that. Premier League now become very. Yeah, it's it's that whole thing in it of spending the day there, like, yeah. trying to get you to go in there, like three or four hours before kickoff or whatever, spend your, your day there and um, and obviously, you know, get the full experience. And listen, I'm only, you know, half joking anyway, because I think that this is my bit of a bugbear with Old Trafford. It's, that you know, it's falling apart. There's no reason to go to Old Trafford two hours before the game. There's nothing going on there. I mean, I'm, I don't really spend money and I don't drink or whatever, but if, you know, people talk about revamping and rebuilding Old Trafford, you've got to give it a massive overhaul. I personally am in, in favour of rebuilding it because... Other grounds, you know, I've been to a few grounds where that's the same thing. You know, there's all sorts going on there at, at sort of half-time and before the game, you know, different bars, different sort of foods you can get. And at United, it's still like we're stuck in the 80s. Um, yeah, listen, we'll move on to United in a minute anyway because we're going to have to talk about the, the game at Villa. But before we do, Pundit, you've got a little message here for us. Yeah, so um, another one of our sponsors... Make sure you go and check these out. DNA Sports Management, they specialise in supporting families and providing first-class representation to sports athletes such as Manchester United's Marcus Rashford and many other young sports people built on values of hard work, 
determination and striving to be the best. DNMA Sports Management is a family-orientated business that manages external and corporate affairs as well as providing first-class community-focused sessions and support across the Northwest. So for more information, go to DNMA Sports Management website, www.dnmasportsmgt.com. So yeah, big up DNMA Sports Management doing their thing out in the communities and stuff. Yeah, if you need some sort of representation, you're on a sporting path, you're getting into a professional world, sporting environment, and you want your corporate affairs looking after and you need anything sorting out, get on to DMA Sports Management. Go check out their website. And yeah, so um, they're one of our great sponsors. But before we move on to United, though, Motty, so I asked Mike's yeah. about Rico Lewis, Mancunian oh, sorry, lad. Yeah. From, yeah, from Berry, 17 years old. been at City since he was eight years old. Um, his dad, actually. Rick Lewis, um, two times British Thai boxing champion as well, to be honest. So he's got a bit of martial arts about him. Do you know what I mean? City's youngest scorer in, in the Champions League versus Sevilla. Mike, I'll be honest with you, he looked very, very good to me. He, he looked like he, he's worked hard on his game. And Pep, Pep's trusted him, bro. Yeah. Pundit, another one I have to convey about um, by the looks of things, innit? Um, at the moment, like you say, you know, I, I remember getting a bit of stick on here. I think last year with Motty talking about City don't bring you through and Do you know what right? Can I know you've you've right, you've rewritten history with this so many times. Yeah. My comment was literally, literally, you've got one player in your team, regular player from who's come through the academy, which was true. That was completely true. Right? If you look at when I said that, the season before you had one player in Phil Folding who'd been a regular feed. That was all I said, which was a fact, right? I'm not saying City haven't got a good academy. I'm not saying you won't have players well, in the future well, getting into your first team. But, My point at the time was, I literally, it was a, like, off the cuff, Matt, when you've got one player who's come through the academy and folded. And you're like, oh, we've got an academy. And I'm like, I'm not disputing that. And then you've always come back at me like, and Motty there doesn't rate our academy. And Motty, <laughs> <laughs> I listen, listen, Motty, all right, fair play, you're right. While we're on the, the subject of academy, probably a good time well, to bring up United Academy Played City Academy Saturday. Oh, mate, I know, I know. This it is was, coming. Oh. You know what score it was? Lad? It was a seven-goal thriller, I believe. It was six-one. Yeah. The famous old scoreline. <laughs> so you're done right. We have got um, there doing good, good, good things. But no, back to back to Rico Lewis. Though, uh, yeah, in a Champions League game, he just looked so comfortable and assured. He was he was tearing um, your kid Alex Tezes to bits down that down on that flank there. It was it was he was comfortable on the ball. Popped up, got his goal. It weren't even just about his goal for me in that game. His positional play, you know, doing that inverted fullback thing in in a Champions League game when he's probably played most of his career as a as a, as a traditional um, right sided player. It's just listen. Uh, hey, uh, hey, listen. You're right. You're right, bro. Because you know what it is. Well, you got. To, we have to take it. It's not normal. You know. We have to understand. It's not normal for the for a young teenagers to so come and play in a Pep Guardiola team. In it, like it's very complex. In it. Complex system, know where your spaces are, get the, the right movements, your timing has to be right. Do you know what I mean? And we know what Pep likes. He likes plays with a good IQ. It's paramount to his to his teams and that. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have a good brain as well as having good feet. And he tucked it away. And do you know what? It's just good to see in it because when you start in lineup, you had a kid from Berry, a kid from Wivenshaw, and a kid from Stockport. So you know what? Round of applause in it. Like I always like to see young Mancunians getting a chance in it, especially at Manchester United and Manchester City. So yeah, man. Big up to Rico Lewis, and he's doing his thing, man. No, definitely. Listen, you know, like you said, it is good. To, I wish I'd much rather see these youngsters coming through United, but you got to give them credit. And it's good to see that it's the one little criticism you might have had of City over the like, last few years. 
as, as Mike's was. There we now. go, there we go. Yeah, we you go. might have said that though. No, do you might, it's, it's true though, isn't it? Like, look at the team sheet. You're not going to go and it's a load of youngsters coming through. But now you have got youngsters coming through no, breaking into the first team. So, I disagree with that. But no, anyway. I think what, like, when when have you ever had a regular in your team other than Phil Foden when you've won a title? Oh, right. So it's now about winning trophies, right? All so right. Like, no, in your team then, in, in your team, when have you had a regular? You had your Michael like, Richards, your Stephen Island. Stephen Jordan, hey, God forbid. When was, that? when was that? Come on, you'd be talking about the Brightwell <laughs> brothers Michael in a minute. Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson. We Michael Johnson, that was like 10 years ago, bro. Yeah, but on. he was in... The... Michael Richards won a title. Like, when was that? He's, that was six years ago. Yeah, like, so, recently. But yeah, You're so taking Phil it personally, Ford, like, you're saying, you're like... Right, you're quite right. Phil Ford is the most recent one, but there's this... We've never you know ran I mean, like... Out, yeah, some of them have not gone on to make it. Some of them have not gone on to be mainstays in the team. Just like you've had a few, you know, Luke Chad. You've had a few that have you, listen, listen, right? Listen, on. we've had we've had players that like your Ryan Shaw crosses or your, you know, I'm old enough to remember the likes of Daniel Graham players like who played one or two games. But we've also had players who've played regularly for United, you know, in the first team. And when I've watched City of late, I haven't really seen it other than Foden, which is what I was getting at. Now it looks like you've got more players coming through who could break into that first team and become regulars. Wasn't a Criticism, observation. I don't think I've not. You might correct me and go, well, We have actually. We've had a player that's played 30 games for us or 20 games for us recently. But I haven't seen that. I think the only one I've seen is Phil Foden. That's my point that I was getting at. And I think Michael Richards left the club fucking years ago, didn't he? I don't know when he left. <laughs> did win a, did win a, right. It was a while ago. Did win a title, though. But I, I, I'm just, uh, yeah, did win a title, though. But again, it's difficult, you know. Winning league titles and that to get in there with the best players in the world. I, I, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Like I'm not saying it isn't, and I, I'll be honest with you. There's a part of me that wouldn't be too surprised if it wasn't more lads that came through the academy who stayed in the team because of the levels. I get that. Do you know what I mean? It's like United have got players coming through that some players I don't even think should be playing in the first team as much as they were. I've said that about um, Anthony Langa last season. He played 20 odd games and I thought that was too many. It's not his fault. That's just. Partly because the players around him weren't performing at the levels where if you're winning titles and stuff like that, obviously it is a lot more difficult. That's what I'm getting at, though. I'm not this isn't. I don't want people to think, oh, you know, I'll listen. I'll fire shots at City all day long. I don't mind that. But my point was, I haven't seen a player come through over and folding and sort of stay in that team. And now it looks like you've got players. I know you guys have been raving about. Is it Palmer the kid? Who um, I know, I always you, you you lot are always talking about. It looks like someone who could be there for the future. And that would be like for me. The next stage is are you going to see some of these local lads? getting into that team and staying there. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I think it's difficult. And I think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because at United, I think that United fans have got a mindset of, right, you've got to have an academy kid because of the record that United have got in it. So we've got the mindset of, yeah, academy kids coming through, academy kids coming through, because it's kind of part of United's tradition, isn't it? Whereas at other clubs, it's not necessarily traditional like that, like, bang, like, it's in print, they've got this record from 1937 or whatever, like, like United yeah, yeah. have type of thing. So I feel like, People sometimes I mean, look at it a little bit unfairly, but it is what it is, isn't it? Like that's the the one thing that you know people talk about United DNA and all that, and I think sometimes that doesn't mean anything. Other than that, I think that's the only trait I've ever seen that's run through the club is you usually have academy players playing in the first team. I don't think the football style has been the same. I don't think there's been the same sort of ethos or whatever with the the tactics. But I think that's the one trait that has been relatively consistent. We've obviously varying degrees of success that we've gone through that. And that record that you mentioned there, like 90 years or 80 years, whatever it is. But, you know, you want players that are going to come in and do a job. And that's the main thing. It's not just keeping that record going. It's players that could come in 
and hopefully get United winning football matches. Um, just before we wrap up on City, I know we're going to talk about United, but there's one question I want to ask you, Mike. This whole, at the minute, it looks like we're at Arsenal are your only challengers for the title. Liverpool got a big win against Spurs. They needed that just to even, not even to anything, forget about a title challenge for them in a minute, just to get their act together because some of the losses they've had recently have just been bizarre. Well, how do you see it panning out? Do you think Arsenal can stay, stay the course and are they the ones you're looking at? You know when you have a look at another team's results because they're the ones you worry yeah. about. Are you 100%. there yet with them? Yeah, 100%. Um, and them beating um, Chelsea away kind of confirmed that they're in it for the long haul. Um, I am confident. Already? Yeah, are you yeah. man giving are you man giving Arsenal these 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 kind of accolades? Or I think Arsenal have got a show that they're still where they are in in February. Yeah, yeah. I still think there's a long way to go. But go on. I, I agree that there's a long way to go. But at the minute, if you if you haven't if you haven't got someone to keep you on your toes and complacency sets in, and that's and I think we need that. So yesterday, that game against Fulham, sorry, um, was a game that. Had the fans back on the toes at Angle, this isn't going to be a, a breeze of a season. And I think you need that. And I think us, Arsenal, need this nip and tuck thing with Arsenal is happening quite early on. And they might peter off. And I think it may, what Arsenal fans are going to be pulling their hair about, because I know in their heads, their hearts would have sunk like like a lead balloon yesterday when that goal went in in the 95th minute. Uh, and it, it, it's heart-wrenching in that when you're in a title race and you, your team is coming up against you, scoring the 90-odd minute. So... Yeah, I'm looking at Arsenal as a serious contender, purely as a fact of right, just no complacency. Um, and I, I still think, they, to me, they are the biggest threat at the minute. And uh, yeah, I'm taking them seriously. I think I think there's a bit of master versus apprenticeship going on as well. Apprentice going on with Pep and Arteta, you know. And I think I think this is the type of thing that gets Pep going. If you know what I mean, like yesterday, the way he celebrated. The goal, obviously, manager always happy, but there was a bit of extraness to it. And I'm looking at Pep like, yeah, Pep knows he's in a deep war here, you know, because his apprentice is keeping him on his toes. You're right, Mike. You get me? Like, sit you are on the toes by Arsenal. They are leading the race. But I also remember Angelotti's Everton leading the title for a little while as well. So, for me, for Arsenal, I'm yet to give them that, 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 that nod of, right, OK, they're serious about winning this title this season. By the end of February, I'm, I'm going to re- recheck where they are and how they're doing, do you know what I mean? Because that's when things start kicking in. It's weird, isn't it? You have, you wonder, like, what's going on in the Arsenal dressing room, whether they're thinking, do you know, like, a title challenge is on it. Because, like, we was we had, we was chatting to Danny Simpson, you know, we won a title with Leicester a few yeah. weeks ago. And he was saying that they didn't mention winning the title in their dressing room until, funnily enough, you know when they won at the Etihad? Yeah. Then he said, after that game, he think it was Jamie Vardy or someone said, you know what, lads? do this, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. this could be on. And he said that was the first time someone had actually said, like, out loud, like, we could we could win this title. And then, obviously, you know, this was, I think it might have been March or summer or April, whatever, like, towards the end of the season anyway, where that had happened. So, you're right in the sense of, you know, you're not going to look at them and go, right now, oh, yeah, that's it. But you just wonder whether they're in, in, the, in that dressing room going, yeah, we could do this. Do you know what I mean? Because... Mm. Sooner or later, they will do. But I think now it's far too early. Especially this World Cup, such a game-changer, isn't it? Because players could come back from the World Cup absolutely knackered. I, I, yeah. I think they might be. And do you know why? The only reason why I think they might be is because I think Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko would have been in City dressing rooms having those conversations. And I think they'd be in there going, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, no, you, you, you're right. Because you, I think that's the one, well, not the only, but like a big thing about getting them two for, for Arsenal was getting those two title-winning players. Getting players who've won, what is it, four out of the last five titles or whatever. Having that mentality. You're not going in there where you think, oh, this is mint, we're challenging for fourth. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got that mentality. You can't just put that into a player who's been at a club where they've never challenged for the title, not challenged for the title since they've been there. Mm. So, no, I think that could make a big difference as well, man. It's, it's and and also, pans out. yeah, and also the ball gives Zinchenko and Jesus, who two, two players who kind of what approved themselves in it because Zinchenko is not a left back, but he did a left, a very good left back job, job at City, in it. But now he's gone to Arsenal, he's kind of still playing left back. So, it's one of them where he either wants to go somewhere and prove himself and say, right, do you know what? I can, I can still do a job even though I'm not un- under Pep or whatever. And Jesus as well, in it? Like, is he a winger? Is he a striker? One minute, he's a winger. Next minute, he's a striker. He's probably wanting to prove himself. He's playing through the middle at the moment. Do you know what I mean? At Arsenal as well. So, the flight is, like you have said, in it? They've got two guys with mentalities that have gone in there to say, right, listen, we're here to try and win. Win, win. Because that's what they used to. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, but interesting with Arsenal. Very interesting, isn't it? Arteta and that. But well, he's had his time to build a team. And he's built, he's built a little team. Man. It's weird, because I chatting to a couple of United fans who were like, Oh, do you know what? I'd hate it if Arsenal won the league. It'd be horrible. And I'm like, well, I'm not being funny. It'd be better than City winning the league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you on about? I like, I don't like Arsenal, but I'd, I'd, I'd much rather they won the league than City. Like, Arsenal are almost <laughs> an irrelevance to me. And like, oh, no, but it's Arsenal fans in it. And I'm like, mate, just take yourself off Twitter for a bit. You'd be all right. Um, yeah. Anyway, enough of this title challenge talk. Let's get that on a real yeah. day where it's at. Hey, <laughs> hey the battle for seventh. Um, no, <laughs> Manchester Manchester United obviously going down 3-1 at Villa Park. After a, a decent run by United following that Derby Day debacle, <laughs> uh, since the last time we are on the podcast, we went on a run, it all looked good. Then we go to Villa Park and after 10 minutes, I'm ready to turn the telly off. Pundit, talk to me, bro. What went, what went wrong? Bro, when you don't start games fast, you get slapped. That's what happens, in it? And United yeah. didn't start the game fast. They weren't at it. The intensity weren't there. Some of the passing was off. And you go to Villa Park, new manager bounce. Emery's walked into the team. I seen him strutting up and down the touchline. You know, I'm looking at Emery like, right, this guy, you know what? He's here to do something. And you always, it was obvious that was going to happen, innit? So yeah. when it happens and then you see the two goals flying under 25 minutes and I seen the goalkeeper doing keepy-uppies with his head. And I'm like, nah, you know what? This run is coming to a dreadful end, innit? And, at the end of the day, yeah, United have been on some. They've been they've been doing well in it recently. Do you know what I mean? Like, can't really knock knock them too much. But at the same time, this it was a vital day as well, simply because Arsenal were playing Chelsea, Tottenham were playing Liverpool. So points were going to get dropped by people in and around it. Do you know what I mean? And if you want to if you want to get into the top four, which to me has to be like a paramount thing, a, a paramount thing for Tenag. And this was a game you got to go there and stamp your authority in it. It just didn't happen in it. Van der Beek. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a ghost. I need to see. I need to see more from him. You can't be running around doing nothing. Do you know what I mean? And then you've got Casemiro and Eriksen in the midfield who have done well. I think. I think Ten Hag. Obviously, the squad depth is highlighted today because I don't think the squad's got deep enough sources in there for it to come in and and the consistency and the levels to stay the same. So I feel like Ten Hag's going to need a few more windows to get a few more bodies in there to keep the consistency because a lot of them have been playing a lot in it. And obviously, you're putting Rashford on the right. Everybody knows Rashford. Rashford's better on the left. Do you know what I mean? He can do a job through the middle. But he's being used as like, what do I call him? A utility forward. 
He's basically yeah. the John O'Shea of the forward line. Oh, we need a right winger today, Rash, go out there. Oh, we need a left winger today, Rash, go out left. Oh, we need a striker today. Ronaldo's injured or Martial's not fit. Rash, go. So, uh, hang on. Just a quick question there, Pundit. Oh, oh, Through the oh, middle and... Go on. Do you not think 10, ten hours got all similar blame here? Because when I seen you line up, I thought it was Thursday. It looked like the same <laughs> team that played in the conference Europa League, whatever it is you're in on a weekday. In a week nah, don't put conference before Whatever it is. It's not conference. conference. <laughs> it was the same team, I thought. Say that. We, we, we... <laughs> what? This ain't Ammonia Nicosia. <laughs> like, he pretty much played a Europa League team there, didn't he? Against, against yeah, we did. We did. and he got found yeah. out. Uh, well and truly, you're all uh, yeah. <laughs> like you said, they came flying out the box. You didn't know whether to go left or right before you knew you were 2 0 down. It's fantastic. <laughs> I think um, I was just on that as well because I know he's he's being a bit tongue in cheek, but he makes a, a, a decent point there. Looks at that team and you think, mm, okay. You mentioned Donny van der Beek. I was a bit surprised me, pundit personally, and I get your take on it. That Donny van der Beek seems to have leapfrogged. Fred and McTominay, especially Fred, into that team because he's hardly played. And Fred does play quite a lot and he's had some good games as well. And McTominay's had some good games. Yeah, all of a sudden, Van der Beek, you know, when, when Bruno's out or even in, in on Thursday when he wasn't out and it's an, another game where mm. we needed to win, we needed to win by two goals to go through at the top of the group. We didn't do that. And this game, like you mentioned, I mean, all Premier League games are must-win almost now, but when all the, you know, teams around us are playing each other, a big game, and he, he, he's gone with Donny. What do you make of that decision? What, what do you think the thinking is there? Because it, I, for me, those mm. last two games, I didn't really see anything from him. Well, I feel like the number 10 position is one where Tenarchy is a specialist position. And I feel like Dan, Donny van der Beek, as we know, he's got a bit of a following at United, in it, even though he's not yeah. done much since he's been here. following, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's because the fans feel sorry for him, because he was a new signing. <laughs> yeah, nah, real talk. I think the get that out of our heads. Stop making yeah. a wish. Do you know I think I mean? they feel sorry for him, bro. He got bought in and Ollie just treated him like some youth academy product. Do you know what I mean? And he's not got a yeah. chance. And they're just like, give him a chance at least. So I feel like everyone's got that in their heart, kind of like about But the, if we've got to talk real, we've got to be realistic about it. He's not done much when he's been in the team. And I feel like on Thursday when they, when they played in, in, in Spain, um, I think he was giving him a, li- a little bit of a run out to get his back because he's been out for a little bit in it. And if, I think he always had in mind that one Donny van der Beek's going to play this game. And I think tonight's playing the long game. Let's let, 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 let's be honest here. Yeah. It's a long season, World Cup, um, Europa League, Premier League, FA Cup, whatever else is going on. It's a very long season, and I feel like he wants the players up to speed to a certain level. So the second half of the season, you can make a real good push for whatever it is. So I weren't against him bringing Van der Beek in, but it was a case of okay then, who was going to play there if Van der Beek wasn't going to play there? You probably have to push Eriks in there and then bring Fred into the midfield. And he probably thought, no, I want a bit more of an attacking onus about us. Do you know what I mean? In the centre of the park. So we had Casemiro, Ericsson and Donny van der Beek. And obviously with Ronaldo up top and the ball's not sticking up Ronaldo, then it's, it's a difficult match. And then you've got Rashford on the right who doesn't really play well on the right. And then you've got the kid on the left who I can't really not. The kid, the kid he's played three games, what, in it in the space of 10 days or whatever. And he's done very well. So he kind of deserved to start. So yeah, it was it was a bad day at the office, in it, really? Do you know what I mean? But I think United have got to dust themselves off because they've got a very big game now, isn't it? Is it Fulham next week? Yeah, got, I think, got, yeah. Sorry, go on. 
No, I was going to say, so the, the show's got to go on. There's no time to sit down and soak and that. They've been on a good run. They've just got to pick themselves up. And Because, listen, Newcastle, Tottenham, um, Arsenal, City and all that, the top four's not going to wait for nobody. If you're not on the train, bro, you're just going to get left at the station, isn't it? The funny thing is, as well, before that Fulham game, we've got another game against Villa in the league. Mm, in the yeah. Yeah, which, going back to what Mike was sort of joking about before, it's like, this might have been the team to play in that League Cup game. Like, yeah, yeah. This, you know what I mean this probably would have made a bit of sense to like stick with Ganacho and, and stick with Van der Beek um, I think part of the problem with United as well is uh, listen I don't like making excuses about injuries because everyone has injuries and we should still be able to beat Aston Villa but we're missing Anthony we're missing Varane we're missing Fernandez who's suspended we're missing Sancho as well so you had to make some changes there whether you liked it or not <laughs> hey, you've got to you've got Sancho him. in there like he's produced anything of any note he probably would have still been on the bench him Sancho usually starts for Tenago. I mean, I'm not, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been quite critical of Jaden Sancho this season. I think we need to see more from him. But he's play, he usually plays for him when he's, when he's fit, to be honest. Usually. Not all the time, but he's. So, where, where you know, do you actually it's... think he went wrong today? Forget all that starting slow. Because did, did you, at any point in that game today, do you think, yeah, we're, we're going to take this? I thought when we got the, you know, we got the goal late in the second half, in the first half, sorry. I thought we had a chance then. Build on that. Do you know what I mean? Like that could not there because you know what it's like. You go, you know, you've been comfortable. You two goals up, and then they get a goal back. You go in at half time, and it's like you feel a little bit deflated, don't you? You don't feel like we're winning. This is great. You're buzzing. You're a little bit annoyed and like oh, we've let them back in here. And then we, to build on that, you have to come out in the second half, or you have to come out and go for it. And we did the opposite. Now, have you watched that second half? The second half started exactly the same as the first half. Leon Bailey. Right, running through our defense and our midfield, like there was no one even there. And then I can't remember what happens. He, he has a shot or whatever. I think he has a shot straight at David De Gea. But that's a warning sign, isn't it? Like, fix up. Like, you know, you're going down the same route as the first half. And then they get the, fir- the third goal not long after that. Where again, the kid is it Ramsey? Acres of space. No one near him. And, you know, it's a decent finish, but, you know, he, he was given that much space. He could have took five touches if he wanted. And that, yeah. that was the end of yeah. that. That was the end of that as a contest. Do you know poor what I mean? Defend, poor, poor defending, basically, yeah. Poor defending and poor, poor. I felt the midfield needed to be better as well and picking someone up. I'm not sure. I need to see the Ramsey one again, whether it's midfield or defence. He's just on his own, any pundit. Yeah, yeah. The ball gets played back to him. It's just in acres of space, in it? But the funniest thing is, we was in possession of the ball. United are actually in the possession of the ball in Villa's half. You give it away sloppily and it breaks down and then, and then all of a sudden the ball's on the back of your net. And that, and, that, and that can happen easily. Like, in the Premier League, it's very, very big on transitions, isn't it? Like, if you don't get your transitions right, whether that's defending, defending when you lose the ball or attacking when you when, when, when you win the ball, you're not, you're not going to get much out of the game in the Premier League. And Emery's no mugging it. He's a very good manager, I think. Do you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. But I don't know, man. I, like going back to the Sancho thing, I think, he, I, think he's got, I think he's got a big issue in it. Like, at the end of the day, he's coming for big money and that. And, he come in and he's he's been given kind of like you're the leader of the wing and all that. I'm thinking, listen, United do this all the time, innit? Push guys to the front and you think, okay, listen, go ahead and do your stuff and that without no team built for that Pacific player and things like that. And I think Sancho, I think he's been thrown in that in that realm as well. And he's still he's still a bit young, and I'm not even here making excuses for him. I just don't think United are used to a style of winger that he is. Do you get me? And I think like United fans, especially. I've got a mindset. We used to flyers down the wing. We used to Konchelskis, Ryan Giggs, Nani, Ronaldo. Do you get me? Rashford. We used to guys that go past people. That's why they love Ganacho right now because he symbolises 
what United's mindset is of how a winger should play. And I don't think Sancho's like that. And you hear people say, oh, Sancho, you don't go past nobody. You just stand there, boom, 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 boom. But Sancho's not that guy. Do you get me? That's going to do that on a regular basis. He's not a Daniel James that's going to knock it and run type of thing. Do you get me? He's a bit more in the pockets, find the space, one-twos, all that type of stuff. So I feel like Tanar's got his work cut out. And do you know something? If you know United and people recognise United, did, a lot of wingers and wide men that United buy in don't even do well. Bebe, Zaha, Depay, Tosic, Belion, Obertan, Alexis Sanchez, Mkhitaryan, yeah. Jordi Kroos, yeah. Baborski, Di Maria, Daniel James, the list is endless. So Sancho's got, he's got his work cut out in it to, to get... Because when United buy a number I, nine... Yeah, I think, oh, um, I think to, be, uh, to be fair... I think long term, Sancho could be in a bit of trouble because I think that if if you know Martial comes down that middle and Anthony's on the right now and if he's fit, that's done. Yeah. He's yeah. not Ten Hag ain't spending hundred million euros on a player he's known for three years. He did free him at Ajax and has done well since he's come to United and dropping him. He just ain't. So that's yeah. that 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 right hand side is done. I think I agree with you. I think Marcus Rashford is his best position's on the left hand side. And I think that Ten Hag wants to give either Martial a chance down that middle. Or maybe, maybe, you know, in the January or whenever, bring in someone else. So I think Sancho could have a difficulty, you know, nailing that play style. I think he does need to show a bit more. He's had a lot of chances, but and it's quite telling yeah. it, that he keeps getting subbed on the 60th minute. I still think at the moment he's, he's a first-team player, but I don't think that's going to last forever. And also, you mentioned it there earlier, Eric Tanag doesn't owe him anything. He didn't buy him. He didn't scout him. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't, you know, suggest him to United. It's got nothing to do with him, the fact that Jaden Sancho plays Manchester United. He inherited him. So if he looks at him and yeah. he goes, nah, this kid's not, not up to it, he's not going to feel obligated to give him... A, you know, we've seen it with Harry Maguire. He made him, yeah, he made him captain and he's £80 million defender, but like you said at the beginning of the show, he's fourth choice, send him back in a minute. Eric's yeah, yeah, and, also, and, you know, and it's, it's going to be interesting. Real. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Ganacho thing because they want him to sign a new contract, which... And we all know United's quite a political club, in it? They'll do things to political... And, and, and what will happen is they'll play the youth and they'll make him feel like he's part of it, he's part of it. He'll sign the contract and then you won't see the kid. Like, they did it with Chong. did the same thing. He was supposed to sign a contract. I've seen Oli playing him in that <laughs> FA Cups and all that. I'm thinking, bro, my man's getting game time. And all of a sudden, sign the contract and then and, and then two twos. My man's at Birmingham City on loan and that. So, Ganacho's a very interesting situation because he, is, he has got talent. I do like him. But it's whether... Whether he's getting, how can I put it, made to feel like he's part of it now, just to get him to sign the contracts or to secure the asset and all the stuff that United do. And then before you know it now, they're pulling back again. Do you get me? And, and Sancho yeah. was given the nod. But it's going to be interesting because you just hit a point there about Martial. United need a striker. So if Ronaldo goes at some point, which he probably will do either in January or the summer, yeah, they're going to buy a striker now. What happens to Martial? Because the type of striker that Tenag buys is going to determine what happens with Martial? So, if Tenag goes and buys an £80 million striker, Martial's not his main number nine. The £80 million striker is what happens to Martial. Does he well, become a yeah. backup guy? So, we should have just stayed at Sevilla then. Do you get me? So, there's lots that's going to go on and then Rashford's going to have to can't play up for it because now he's got an £80 million striker. So, Rashford's going to be on the left. So, Sancho's battling Rashford for the left for the left-hand spot. So, I think in the next 12 months, as Terence Tenag builds his squad and builds the team, we'll find out more where these guys are. Ilango, I don't rate him. I don't. I don't. I don't know what he brings. You get me. He's what. He's a good kid and all that. But nah, we're talking qualities. It's a serious era. If you want to win Premier League, you want to go deep to the Champions League. Certain kids can't play in it. It's just that simple, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think like I think 
a lot of people who I speak to, like, I feel it at the ground as well with Alanga. A lot of people don't rate him. And I always give the youngsters a chance. And I feel for him. I think he was overplayed, like I said earlier, last season. He shouldn't have played 20 odd games last season. It was ridiculous. But you yeah. do worry that he's not at the levels we need to see. But he's still young. Just quickly before we move on for United as well, I want to mention, because it's not all doom and gloom, you know, Marcus Rashford hit 100 goals um, for Manchester yeah. United. Not, not many players that have done that. What have you made of, obviously, the, the Villa game wasn't his day. What have you made of him this season though? Because he got a lot of stick last season, Marcus Rashford. And, mm. he, you know, some of it was deserved because he didn't have a good season. You know, I think was it four Premier League goals or whatever it was. That's not good enough. But this season, yeah. he's, he looks a little bit more like the old Marcus Dunning and getting them milestones out. Yeah, no, but big him up, man. He got his 100 goals at 24 years old, getting moved about in the front line. You can't knock it, in it. Like, you got to hold your hands up and give him a round of applause for that. It's a good achievement, in it. But the show yeah. goes on. And this is how I like and um, this is the example I use to come to Marcus Rashford. You know when your phone battery's on zero and you're charging it up and then it's on 21% and you leave it for a bit longer and it's on 47%. Right now, that's what's happening with Marcus Rashford. His battery was on zero last season. You get me? And at the moment, this season it started and it got up to 21%. Now he's on 47%. And I feel like the more he plays and the more he gets more faith from the manager and the more he finds himself again, the battery will go up to 73% and they will get back to 100% Marcus in it. So I feel like it's a journey and it's a process and it, and, and I feel that he will have dips because he's, he's still not in his in his prime, you know. He's still 24, but just turned 25. Just so he's entering his peak year. Yeah, so he's entering his peak year soon. So we have to remember he's still developing as such in terms of he's not a 29-year-old in it. So at the same time, he hasn't nailed down a specific place in the team as well. Like, what is it? Do you know what I'm saying? So for him... I feel like he's going to have to find himself again after after the Ralph debacle and all that. And yeah, I feel like I feel like I feel like this is a big twelve months for him, bro. To be honest, with you, a very big twelve months. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And that sort of moves me on to the last bit. What I talk about before we wrap up with about England, because you know Marcus Rashford drops from the England squad. We've got obviously this the fifty five man provisional squad. Is it for England? Um, <laughs> Which, you know, obviously it's just a bit, a bit bonkers, isn't it? Um, when it comes to this England team, I don't know, what's your guys' take on it? Do you, do you care about England? Do you have a look at it? Is it just purely about your club and you just care about your own club players? What's your, Mike, what do you think about when it comes to England? Is this something, are you looking forward to the England, uh, to the World Cup as a staunch England fan or are you not that bothered? I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Um, yeah. I, I look forward to any football tournament and obviously, as you know, there's a lot of, controversy around it and I believe there's a lot of hypocrisy as well um, yeah. a, a lot, I'm not going to be watching it I don't care about it I, I, I'd be interested to see as well to put something out there how many of those I'm not going to watch it will be about if England get to the final because I guarantee mm. everybody's television will be on and if they win it will they not get that the treatment the women get because it was in Qatar I, I thought yeah it's a bit thingy yeah. but from an England point of view I find it intriguing and interesting isn't it because like I say, we're all Premier League football fans. Obviously, first and foremost, I'm a City fan. But we're all Premier League football fans. So when you're watching the England team perform on that other stage, I like the idea of each country putting their best up against each other. So I'd say my interest in international football is more about um, the constraints of a nation with picking from their best pool against the best pool from another country. So I, I find that whole concept interesting. Mm. Do you believe yeah. that the coach should also be from that country? Um, I, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> what's the word? I've, I'm not. I'm not. A, it has to be that way. 
actually, if it is that way, I, I think it would. I think it it would be good. It's yeah, I think I think it should be personally. I think it should. Has any? I think has anyone ever won the World Cup with a a, a, a manager not from their country? Don't know, you know. I don't think that's ever. I don't think it. Has. I don't um, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not overly bothered about England. I'm still a little bit. You know what? I still hold on to that thing, you know, with like the the the, the hanging of David Beckham effigies and the dartboard with his face on it, and the Phil Neville getting death threats. And yeah. So, are you not, are you not watching the World Cup? No, I mean, as an England fan, I'm not that passionate oh, about. Right. Like, you know, I'd rather England won it than anyone else, but I'm not like you know, like Mike's was sort of saying. I'm I'm more United fan than I'll ever be an England fan. Do you know what I mean? But the whole World Cup thing and, and the Qatar thing, it, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because part of me feels like you should take the World Cup to different countries and different cultures. Do you know what I mean? I was over in Africa when South Africa had the World Cup and it was fantastic, you know, to see Africa get its first ever World Cup and, and the way that the, the, the sort of the, all the people there were buzzing and all that. And when that does happen, you know, it, it's usually a positive thing. But there's a lot of controversy going on around it. And, and there's, I think there's a lot of hypocrisy as well because certain people are taking a stand and saying they're not into it and <laughs> like they hate it and it shouldn't happen. And then... They'll be, they'll be getting paid to 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 to, to work there. So yeah, like, yeah. It's one thing. It's one thing as a fan just going, yeah, you know, I might watch it on my telly, but I don't agree with some of what's going on. It's another thing as a as an employee to say, oh, this is an outrage, but I'm going to take money off the people to promote it. Those are two yeah. separate things for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's hypocrit- hypocritical to, to watch something at home. Um, and I think you know, and I think do you know what? And I think the both I think the both can coexist. I think the tournament can be there, and also if people have got problems with the human rights thing, that can also get highlighted in it. But I don't think it should be a case of, oh, do you know what? Because the World Cup's there, now we're gonna highlight these type of things. If those things are going on, then just highlight them in general, innit? Do you get where I'm coming from? Like nah, so yeah. I think you know what I'm saying? So it's a good yeah. point. Do you know what I mean? And I've heard this, I've had this argument with people before, and it's like, you know, when the city's owners or or Newcastle's owners did you care about their, their human rights abuses before they took over these football teams? Did you say that anything about that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. was that an interest of yours? Was that something you wanted to talk about? If it was, fine, fantastic. Yeah, I'm all about that. But, you know, why is it now becoming a thing because there's a football thing involved? If you care about it, you should care about it all the time. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I do hear that. Um, just on the football side of things, who do you think? Who do you fancy you two to to win the World Cup this year? Do you think England have got a chance, or do you, do you think it's? I'll be honest with you. You know what? Yeah, most I, I kind of want. I've got a feeling for Argentina. You know, I don't know why. I don't know Messi, and I don't know what it is. I just got a little bit of a feeling for Argentina, Argentina or Brazil. I feel like, but I always like Holland doing well. I don't know why. I think it's from like Van Basten with bullet days and that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I've always yeah. looked at Holland with an orange kit and thought, yeah, man, I like I like Holland, but. I think England, England have got. Hold on a sec. What's our England team, Mike's? What's your England team? Rapid <laughs> England team. Oh yeah. So, so, so I, I was kind of holding off this one to see everyone was fit, but um, I've got a few positions there that some people call controversial. So my number one would be Ramsdale. I think he's a better keeper. Yeah, I think he's a better keeper than Pickford. Me, that's just my own personal. Really, opinion. I think he's a sh- sh- I think he's a bit of a show pony, me. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I feel. I, I mean, I know, don't get me wrong. I know Pickford can have his moments, but with Ramsdale, I always think he makes the the simple saves look spectacular. And do you know what I mean? It's not the most outrageous co- comment. Do you know what I mean? And I'm this not. Guys, like, trusting Mike's. You're so you're trusting a ro- yeah. <laughs> England rookie in that. Yeah, big World Cup. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I trust 
at Trust Ramsdale. Peckford was one when he went in for his first comp and that. So, I, I, yeah, I, for me, oh, I, think oh, right. a, I think he's a better keeper. Just oh, right. go on, you back, you back four. Um, so if it's a back four, then I'd, it'd be Walker right back, Stones set a back with. <laughs> go Ben White. No, no, I was. I think I'd go Ben White. Me, a centre back. He's playing yeah. right back in it for Arsenal. You have yeah, to support him in there. But what else have we got left? You know, so, um, you got Tomori, you've got Tarkovsky. Well, I don't know about Tarkovsky. You've got Maguire, Ben White. I don't even. That's what I'm saying, bro. Yeah. It's poor. The England thing. That's why I've looked at it. Probably go. Uh, yeah, probably... Joe Gomez is he? Is he in contention? Yeah, I don't even think he gets on the plane for some of the former <laughs> Ajax in the room at the minute. He was laid on goals for Leeds players last week. Go <laughs> on. Yeah. Who's your left back? Left back. Now, this is an interesting because Chilwell's just, he's out now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, no, he's no thinking about it. It's Luke Shaw. Let's move on to the midfield. <laughs> Guy trying to drag it out because Luke Shaw. England putting Trippier on there for delivery, isn't it? <laughs> And Gareth's done that before. Gareth's played Trippier at left back. <laughs> well, like, like honestly, there's not this. There's, there's, there's... Yeah, but we're, we're getting right. to the juicy bit here, and I want to see what Mike's going to do in this World Cup. So, your midfield, are you going for? What what's your back for, Motty? What, what's right, your Mike... back for? Go on, Motty. Um, do you know what, right? I kind of like Walker at right back, yeah. I'd have, I would have had Reese James, but he's injured. I'd have Pickford. Um, I'd have um, John Stones, yeah. I, I know you're going to laugh at me, but I would stick with Maguire for England. Oh, my. I would, I would because, <laughs> I mean, get him who, who else is there, right? You was going through players then, right? I thought and, I was pretty confident saying Ben White. I was just nah, ben White, but, but you're moving a player that barely played for England. I think he's got four England caps, who plays at right-back now, and you're moving him into the centre-back for the World Cup. And I just think that, that for me, listen, I'm not going to pretend I'm Harry Maguire's biggest fan. I'm not, but I think on in general for England, he plays well. I do. Do you know what I mean? He's he's you know he's been a, an integral part of getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup, to the final of Euros. He was in team of the tournament. I know he's not. You know his his form for United has been patchy to say the least. But for England, he does a good job. So I would stick with him. Ah, this, this is back, this is the Bayora callback. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not exactly a member of the Harry Maguire fan club by any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel there's a little lack there because I, I look at players like maybe Mings and, and I know he mentioned Samori as well, who's, who's having a good season and, and players like that, but I just think for put them in there for a tournament, I think I think, actually think it's riskier, I do, than, than okay, putting them right in there. And I'd go with short left back. If if, if Chill was, was fit, then just just to, just to think it out, just to think it out, the cool. other reason why I went Ben White was because I'm a keeper. I like combinations within the team, so the, st- the Stones Walker thing, and obviously the keeper knowing um, Ramsdale, Ramsdale knowing Ben White, so it's a bit of a familiarity as well in there. So it worked just to, to throw him in. Oh, all right. Oh, so okay. So you like that, do you? So Maguire next to Shaw should be quite perfect for you, then, isn't it, mate? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Maguire, to be fair, I, I don't think. I, I personally don't think Maguire is playing enough football for me to, 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 to even worry and even pick it, to even look. I've just got to score past his number in the phone book, can't you, really? <laughs> right. Go on, then. Your mid, you mid, you mid, you midfield section, are you going 4 2 three, four, three, three. go on. Just say we're playing 4 three. No, 4 2 three, one. Who are you talking oh, to? I'm talking to you. You're oh, going 4-4-2 four, 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 or 4 two, three, one. 
Um, we'll go with the, the, the three in there. Go on. So my deeper three, it'd be Declan Rice. I'd go... I'd go... I'm only <laughs> contemplating whether I play folding deeper or further forward. That's that's what I'm thinking. And I think I'm going to start with him deeper and go with uh, Jude Bellingham in there as well. Okay, my my, do you know what's funny? You said that you know because I was thinking the same thing the last few weeks. Rice, Foden, but I'm going Phillips in it. So I'm going. I'll go. I want a bit more experience in there. Bellingham and Foden, and still a bit. What's the script with Phillips? Is he fit or is he injured or what? What's what's going on with him? Just he's just coming back now, isn't he? I don't think he's been injured for a bit. But if he's fit, he's going to start for me in the midfield three with um with Rice and Foden. Bellingham's going to be on the bench, and if Phillips. (laughs) And if Phillips and if Phillips isn't fit, then Bellingham's gonna start in it. But I don't know if I trust so, Bellingham and Foden in the centre. I, I, th- I think you're you're cynical with Bellingham, you pundit. I've noticed this with you. You're, <laughs> you're, not, you're not on the, the Bellingham hype train like ninety nine point nine percent of people I see on Twitter. Do you know what it is, Marty? The greatest player in the history of association football. Hey, you know you're what like, it is, bro. Hang on a minute. Go on. He's not doing superstar stuff at superstar club with superstar consistency. So why should he get superstar flowers? Shouldn't get superstar flowers until he actually does it in it. He's a good player making his way in the game, but there's many 19-year-olds out here doing well, making their way in the game. And so until Bellingham comes into this England team and gets England to a final or semi-final, like Phillips and Rice have done, I don't want to hear nobody talking to me about Jude Bellingham. What, what do you make of that, Max? Because you've seen him up close and personal when he's played against City a few times. Do you reckon he's I think he's I think I think I think he's I think he's a good player. Yeah. Um, I do think um, I do agree with the, the the comment around actually there's players of a similar age that are performing at just a, as high a level as in, in the Champions League, especially a few of them Bayern Munich youngsters and stuff like that. Um, so, but I do think you can see there's something there. And in terms of the England side of things, I only left Phillips out because he's not fit. And then you're going around and chopping. I'm not Mason Mount's biggest fan. I think everything he's got in the logger. Phil Foden's got that handsome. Um, so, so yeah. So, so, so if Phillips is so if Phillips is fit, are you starting Phillips or Bellingham? Right now, on performances, it's got to be Bellingham. Okay, Marty, what's your midfield? So, right, so I, I think yeah, Declan Rice. I'll go with him. Um, did you say you put in? Because you're know more about this than me. Did you say you put in Foden in the midfield, Mike? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, I, can, I can. If he, if he, I mean, he's in the team for me. If he, if he can play there, I'll put him in there, and I'll, I'll go with Bellingham. Me, I, I, I get what you're coming from, pundit. Because you know what, what annoys me with Bellingham as well is people I know for a fact, right, who haven't watched him. Yeah, and I know they haven't. I'll ask Bro. you. Can ask him a question. What, what games have you seen him for Dortmund this year, uh, or saw him in the Champions League against City? Right. Yeah. Other than that, none. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you haven't yeah, watched him. Do you know what I mean? And you're declaring him the, the, the greatest player in, you've ever seen. And I think there's an element exactly. of that. Do you know what I mean? You get yeah. a lot of that with, with youngsters and pe- play, people just losing their minds over not watching Yeah, I think football. you're right. You're bang on. I think that's what people yeah. do. They put, them, they put them on too much of a high pedestal before yeah. they've even got there yet. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure for the kids, if, isn't it? If, 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 if Phillips was fit, or if he is fit, then I would stick with that because it's tried and tested and I think him and Rice play well together and just have folded in front of them maybe. Uh, yeah. But if not, I'd, I'd throw Bellingham in. I know it's a bit more attacking with, without Phillips there, but I think I think that could work. Uh, that'll be my midfield three. Right, front three. Mike's, what's yours? 
Um, Keen down the middle, Saka on the right, Sterling on the left. Oh, same Peter. as mine. Is it? No, no, yeah. look, Marcus, this season he's having. No, nah, Marcus is coming. Marcus, Marcus is coming on. Marcus is coming on with 30, 30 minutes left against Iran, mate, and bagging. That's what he's coming on to do. <laughs> do you get <laughs> Coming on against Iran, mate, 30 yeah. minutes left. Uh, Left-hand side for Sterling, cutting in on yeah. his right, lashing yeah. it in with that bullet, brute force, right foot, bang, back in it. That's that's his job, do you know what I mean? Done and dusted, I'm, so... I, I probably... And I, I admit I am biased, but I think Marcus is in a right to, to have a goal. And I don't think Sterling's quite at the levels he's usually at this season. I think he's been a bit yeah. patchy, so... I don't know. I think Marcus is on the on the. I think I think Sterling's maybe slightly in the decline a little bit. Not generally, just in terms of his season. And Marcus has gone much better this season. So, hey, Marty, I'd have him. You're, in pick, you're 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 picking and choosing though because you was all right putting Maguire in your back four though, weren't you, lad? Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but Maguire, part of the reason with Maguire was I, I think there's flawed options like Mings is slightly flawed. Tamori, I just yeah. feel like. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I think that with Sterling, it's almost like the other way around. I think you've got a player there that's that's good that can come in. But I wouldn't yeah. listen. I get it. With Sterling, he had a very you know he had a very good Euros. He did. So I understand he's he's one of the thing is with all this as well. And I know you know for the purposes of the podcast, we're doing it. It's all moot because Gareth Southgate will stick to what he knows. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. guarantee Raheem Sterling. I guarantee actually Maguire will be in there because he and I guarantee Pickford will be his keeper. Yeah, because he he doesn't deviate from that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to do something pretty drastic to, to lose your place in that England team. Under well, by the way, by the way, I'm taking James Madison, me, you know. I'm taking him on the plane. James Ward-Prowse can drop out for me and stay at home. Mason Mount can stay at home. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm even bringing Harvey Elliott. Check that one out. Guys, they think I'm crazy and all that, but I'm going there to beat up Wales, beat up USA and beat up Iran with, with footballers. Do you get me? So Madison's on the plane for me. He might not start, but... I need that creativity in the centre of the park. Gareth ain't going to do none of this because he's a scared manager, innit? You don't want to, you don't want to take England players to express themselves and attack with a bit of panache and that, do you know what I mean? Whereas like, I am so... I think as well, he gets a little bit funny sometimes, Southgate. What's, what's, what's the scripts anyway with Grealish? No one having Grealish in this team? Yeah, is Grealish he, is there. I don't know if he starts. Is he, is he one of yours that you're saying, that, you know, like Marcus comes on, is he someone you'd bring on or rotate him? Yeah, ro- rotation, rotation for me. Mike's what you said about Grealish? It's a difficult one. Like you said, he'd probably go. Um, he'd go. But like you say, just done the Madison, the Madison thing. Um, I had a, someone made a point today, and I think, yeah, I, 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 I've always said now he'd probably miss out. But someone made, a, someone made a good point about leaving out one of the strikers, and it made me think, actually. I don't fit. So I thought about this in terms of the strikers England have got available. None of them are doing their striker's job after the year Kane. So, for me, Harry Kane and Wilson will be the two main strikers in the squad. Um, mm. Then I'll probably take one more and then leave a fourth one out completely and take Madison because you Tammy Abrahams, Ollie Watkins, none of them are doing their job better than what Madison's doing as an attacking midfielder. He's pulling up better numbers than any of them. So, I'd probably leave out a striker and bring Madison as that. Another creative have you, guy. Have you been? Have you been? Have you got someone secretly watching my my notebook or so? Because that's exactly the same thing I done. You know, I was looking. I think you're right. You I'm said not... you're gonna lead out Ward Prowse. Yeah, but he can stay at home as well. He ain't coming. But I'm saying because I'm bringing Elliot. But what I'm saying is, is that what you've just said there. But you've got instead of taking four strikers and that drop a striker because you've got Ivan Tony, Calvin Lewin, who else? Tammy and that, I, I'm with you. I bring Kane. Wilson and then bring another midfield because Rashford can always go through the middle as well, innit? 
you get me? So there's options there for striking. Let, let's just be honest. Unless Kane gets severely injured, he's going to yeah. be playing every game, innit? Do you get me? Whereas if you play in a free midfield, you can rotate, you can mix and match, and that when Wales think they're good and all that, do you know you what know, I mean? Do, do you know what as well? Like a lot of this is just because of Southgate stupidness that like like players like Abraham and Tony, it's a massive risk taking them because they've hardly had any caps or, yeah. or any. So like you've had opportunities where you could have given them a go in an England shirt and say, yeah, let's have a look at you. You know when that your um, Nations League nonsense where we got absolutely battered in all them games. You could yeah. have played one of them and says, let's have a little look at you and see what you're about. But he didn't, did he? He didn't give him an opportunity. And now we're looking at it and you're going, can you risk taking Ivan Tony to, to Qatar? Can you risk it? Is he going to do anything yeah. there for you? Do you know what I mean? And it's a shame because I think had we seen a bit more of these players, you'd be able to make a better assessment or you know, you'd have a bit more confidence in him. So yeah, I hear you with Madison because he is having a good season. And mate, you know, Mike, she made a good point there, whether you nicked it off Pundit's homework or whatever. Uh, yeah, he is. He is playing well, and he's he, he's doing his job probably better than some of those strikers are doing theirs. So listen, we need to wrap up, man, because we've got really, yeah. really, really into extra time here. Really into ninety yeah. minutes of extra time. We got side chat talking about England, man, because we can talk about this, and we will. You know, we will talk about. It. Obviously, we'll have a podcast during the World Cup. We have one every month, so one of those will be during the World Cup, and we'll be getting there. And obviously, we'll be having a United and City angle, as you would expect. Um, Mike, it's always a pleasure, man. It's always good to hear you. Reminding me how my team are, are struggling and how yours are flying. A pleasure. <laughs> right, right from the, the academy to the under-21s getting battered to my first team. I, I'm glad you always remind me of all this stuff. But it's always a good laugh. Uh, and Pundit, it's a pleasure. Pundit, you see us out as well. And a big thank you to our sponsors as well. Make sure you go and check out Falcona, um, Private Jets, Private and also... Go and check out as well, DNA Sports Management. Pundit, over to you, my friend. Yeah, DJ, play the music. You get me on our way out and all that. Shake a leg and stuff. But listen, as, as Motty said, first Monday of every month, we're on Apple, Google and Spotify. Make sure you go check that out. And yeah, if you want to get, um, you want to listen to another debate on the Bellingham, is he a real deal or not? Check out the lock-in. Session one is there as well. Session one, the lock-in at three points in the gaff. That's on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast now as well. So check that out. So yeah, people, listen been a good one enjoy the world cup we'll be speaking again soon on all of that yeah so take care yeah we're gone sports social podcast network